Major breaking news to tell you about at this hour right now. We have learned that the Supreme Court is going to be hearing the former president's presidential immunity appeal. This would further delay his trial. Major news again, just crossing. This just came in. So again, the Supreme Court is agreeing to hear Trump's immunity claims. And this means that those arguments will be set for April. Pretty big, big deal. Of course, you know, we heard earlier that they had heard the case with Colorado, with Colorado, of course, having tried to keep him off of the ballot. That didn't really get that far. Immediately, they took that one up. And it looks like, again, we'll see how that all shakes down. It does look like we will, in fact, see perhaps a unanimous agreement on that one. But it's, it's, it's you know, one of many, many, many cases, right, that are up, that he's facing. This one being a pretty big deal because he's arguing that he had immunity. In other words, he could take whatever documents he wanted to take from the White House. He also is arguing that, you know, he, he is not somehow uh, responsible for what went down on J6 because he has this immunity claim. So the defense, they've been kind of stalling this here. The presidential immunity defense has been stalling the case for nearly three months, missed the original scheduled March 4th trial date. The high court's decision automatically stays lower courts from moving forward in the case. The court uh, in this particular situation is also granting special counsel Jack Smith's request that President Trump petition, or his petition, I should say, for a stay to be treated as a petition for review. And so now it looks like the case is going to be set for oral arguments beginning April 22nd. The parties have been instructed here to limit the arguments apparently to the question of, quote, whether and if so, to what extent does a former president enjoy presidential immunity from criminal prosecution for conduct alleged to involve official acts during his tenure in office. Now, this is pretty interesting to me because it can kind of get a little bit complicated. In other words, where do you draw the line? A president ought to have a certain amount of immunity, should they not? Because some of the things that they're going to do, not everybody's going to like. I mean, I don't think everybody really likes the fact that Joe Biden turned over some $6 billion to Iran just weeks before the attack happened in Israel. Uh, I, I don't think that went over very well with people. Do you go back and do you prosecute him for that? Or does he have immunity in that case? In this particular situation, you know, whether you're talking about J6 or whether you're talking about you know, him taking documents which he believes were declassified and he had the right to declassify them as president, at, at some point, like, again, like the, the crime has to fish, fit the punishment. And if you're talking about, okay, we're going to go after him for J6, exactly how did he try to overthrow things officially on that day? I mean, I do believe that Secret Service told him he couldn't actually go over to the Capitol building. But they're saying, oh, because he didn't do enough, because he didn't calm everybody down enough, that somehow he's liable for that. I mean, look, it's... It's certainly fascinating from a legal standpoint, and I'm, I'm getting up to speed on all of my legal stuff, as, as many of you guys are too, because this is just another example here. So the timeline has been really interesting, only in that the timeline has been very geared towards putting this all towards the election cycle. The left has believed all along that the more that they could show, oh, this is a bad guy because, look, he's always in court, he's always in trouble, that somehow Americans would be like, okay, yeah, you know, he's... He's too much of a headache. That's too much for, for me to handle. But in fact, it's had absolutely positively the opposite effect. And we've seen poll after poll after poll, even most recently. Now he's up six points nationwide. It had been five points just a couple of weeks ago. It's like no matter what they throw at him, the stronger he emerges. And the question is, does that actually hold through to Election Day? This is just amazing, amazing stuff. So let me quote here from the, the order, which reads, quote, without expressing a view on the merits, this court directs the Court of Appeals to continue withholding issuance of the mandate until the sending down of the judgment of this court. The Supreme Court, of course, and that's referring to when it had dismissed the application for a stay as moot because granting that would have effectively halted the lower court proceedings. Don't forget, like Jack Smith wanted to move forward with this. 
He wanted to bypass the appellate court. I mean, there's just whole kinds of complications going on. But I think the bottom line, as we can uh, assess in this particular moment in time, is that this immunity clause is going to be really uh, front and center. And it's, it's a big question of how presidents are treated in the future. I want to quote from our friends over at Epic Times who were really really quick on the story, I should point out. They say, quote, the concept of presidential immunity was defined by the Supreme Court in a 1982 case where a fired military contractor sued former President Richard Nixon after he lost the job. And the high court ruled a president's immunity from civil suits was absolute and that it extended to the outer perimeter of his office. Now, President Trump's attorneys are arguing that his actions on January 6th were part of his official duties as president, pointing to his record of taking election integrity seriously. So prosecutors in this case, they say, are arguing that President Trump has no immunity in this case because it is a criminal case. And so that is the distinction that they are trying to make. Now, the Supreme Court has never addressed this issue of criminal prosecution. So this is certainly untested untested legal territory. I mean, like everything these days, right? Completely untested, completely untested stuff. Unbelievable. But again, I just want to bring this news to you. We were actually intending to start with some other stuff, but just before coming to air, we got word that the Supreme Court is agreeing to hear Donald Trump's immunity claim. And now these this this claim is going to be set for April. So we're going to have an interesting couple of months ahead. Do we not, ladies and gentlemen? I mean, super, super, super interesting stuff. And again, all of this just breaking down uh, and coming to us live right now. Um, Supreme Court saying that if Donald Trump must stand trial in 2020 election conspiracy case, the lower courts rejected the former president's claim of immunity for seeking to subvert Biden's claim, this is all now just coming to us from the Wall Street Journal. Forgive me, all in real time. So I'm reading to you from the Wall Street Journal. The Supreme Court agreeing to consider whether Donald Trump must stand trial on charges he plotted to overturn the 2020 election after the lower courts rejected his claim that he is entitled to absolute immunity because he was president at the time. Again, I just want to reiterate that it is totally, totally uncharted territory. As I pointed out, there was the Nixon case but that was not criminal. They say the distinction in this particular one is they are accusing him of a crime here related to January 6th. So never a dull moment, ladies and gentlemen. This is a live show, so I'm curious to see some of your thoughts and your observations on all of this at this moment in time. I'm going to go over to our chats. We want to talk about Mitch McConnell because he's out with a major announcement. We're going to get to Hunter Biden. Oh, my goodness. Hunter Biden. The disaster that he is was on Capitol Hill today, and there is a chorus, just an absolute chorus coming from the Democrats right now because they have one view, one view only, and they are spouting this at nauseam. And my recommendation to Republicans is to really zone in on what's important, and I'm going to tell you just exactly what that is. Plus, plus, we've got a call for Joe Biden to step down. This is 25th Amendment kind of stuff. They want Joe to step down because, well, Joe is just not, uh, just not there. I'm, I'm looking at all of you. Leslie, welcome back to the show. Ian, great to see you. These are some of our team members here. You can see the little star by their name. Uh, Michael, great to see you here uh, as well. Again, plenty of news coming forward to us at this moment, but breaking. The Supreme Court is going to be hearing Donald Trump's appeal there on the immunity issue. Is a president immune from criminal prosecution? You know, the one thing I would say is like it is a little bit nuanced, right? If, if, if a president goes out and commits a really heinous act of murder, that's one thing. But in this particular case, if you're saying, okay, well, he didn't do enough on J6, whatever, aren't you sort of setting the stage for a full-on Banana Republic type of environment? Now you're going to criminalize these sorts of things? I mean, could you criminalize Joe Biden giving $6 billion to Iran? You understand like where this starts to go after a while. There has to be sort of a certain decorum. And while we're, you, know, you, you can't just go and do literally anything from a criminal perspective, you have to understand whether the criminal charges coming at you are in fact political. 
right? Because there's a lot of a lot of pure politics going into all this. We've seen it. I've played you the clips. They've admitted it, for goodness sakes. They just made a little documentary about themselves over on NPR, and they're patting themselves on the back. Adam Schiff is so proud because they went out and got the ABC News producer to produce all of the J6 footage that was shot, none other than by Nancy Pelosi's daughter, Alexandra Pelosi. And so they showed this stuff in a loop, and they were trying to create their words, not mine, a mini-series event. This is supposed to be like entertainment because it was so important that people really, really understood exactly what was going on. Amazing that you've got thousands of hours of footage, but the only footage Americans get to see is the footage that was shot by none other than the Speaker of the House at the time, Nancy Pelosi's daughter, Alexandra. There's just so many questions here. And so this case is pretty nuanced because, well, you can't have a president that can go out and do something really criminal, right, to, to use the worst possible example to, to murder someone. You, you also can't be in a situation where the other side is going to criminalize everything, period. I'll tell you a, a story when I, and some of you have heard this before, I remember talking to President Trump about what was going on with Hillary Clinton and the server, et cetera, when he was then president. And I said, hey, you know, like, why didn't you ever go after her? And he said, well, Trish, you know, it's, it's still the United States of America. Like, I, I didn't want to actually do that. And, and he, you know, he's, he's, he's got some pride in his country. I mean, I don't know what's going to happen now because he gets back in there. He sees exactly what they did to him. And it's tit for tat, right? I mean, he, he's very proud of saying, look, I don't come after people. But if they come after me, I go back after them really hard. So who the heck knows? But they're desperate. They're desperate to do anything that they can to keep him out of the White House again. And then you have to start to say, well, why are they so desperate? What is it about him? Why are they making these heinous comparisons to the likes of Mussolini and Hitler and somehow it's, you know, Weimar Germany all over again? Because that's pretty, frankly, disrespectful to history, to Jewish people to anyone who had a relative that fought in World War II. I mean, this is kind of wild to make those kinds of comparisons. And yet they do this like, you know, they're handing out candy, every other word. They're making these comparisons. And I'm like, wait a second, who was put in, in, in concentration camps under Donald Trump? I mean, wild, wild, wild rhetoric from the left. And then you start to say, well, why is that? Like, why are they so, so willing to do that? I, I, I don't know. I think they're really scared. Perhaps they're scared that he's going to totally change the alignment of the world as we know it. It could be possible, right? Because consider Debbie Wasserman Schultz. Debbie Wasserman Schultz and uh, what what she was saying recently. This is like the the campaign of all campaigns. They're going to just let it rip. They are taking no prisoners. Drew, let's cue that one up. I know we're a little bit out of order today, but we got a lot of breaking news. And this is Debbie saying this is this is high stakes. You know, I'm confident that from now until November, we're going to mount the most significant reelection campaign that uh, that any any presidential reelection campaign has ever run. And they're going to run on Joe Biden's remarkable record of job creation, the most in modern times, investments in infrastructure. All right, so she's, she's going to run on the record. Good luck with that, Debbie. You keep running on that record. I was looking at some statistics today that show actually that inflation is really up 18% all in since Joe Biden came to office. That would put him ahead of where Jimmy Carter was with inflation, just to you know, kind of keep this in perspective. And then when you looked at the actual numbers, like food and energy and the things that people need, you look at rents. I mean, all of that was upwards of 18% inflation. When you look at mortgages, oh my gosh, that was some 66% inflation. This is data being crunched by our friends over at Americans to Unleash Prosperity. I mean, really, really wild numbers. And, and you wonder why Americans are like, I don't think I'm feeling so good. You're, they're not feeling so good because you have a ton of inflation. And when you adjust wages for inflation, you got a pretty bad picture. So Debbie, you can try and run on the issues all you want as far as, oh, we've got this great infrastructure. We've got a great economy. No, we don't. And nobody believes you. It's not 
going to play in Peoria, as they say, because it's fake. It's false. It's a bunch of lies. You just look at the real hard, cold numbers, and they tell you the truth about what's going on economically. I'm telling you, this is why. This is why, ladies and gentlemen, it is so important for us to be picking the right people. It's so important for us to have, especially as small business owners, of which I am right now here at the Trish Regan Show, It's important that we have people that are going to care about our policies and the things that are good for us so that we have opportunities to grow. We want this economy, the American economy, to grow for everyone. So I want to encourage you to go take a look at Job Creators Network. Join JCN.com. Join JCN.com. I've got some great friends over there. Actually, I think Alfredo's coming on the show next week, so he'll tell us a little bit more about how critical and important all of this is right now. But... Reality being, we need the right kinds of policies in place so that we have a thriving economy and that we have a safe economy with a safe border and that we don't have the threat of World War III on the horizon, for goodness sakes. So join JCN.com. Go check them out and, and ask yourself, why are they so scared of this guy? Why? I mean, wow. I, look, I'm, I'm scared of Biden, frankly. I really am. I'm scared of Biden and I kind of question his motives over and over and over again. His son's motives were certainly being questioned there on Capitol Hill today. Did you see he was walking in? I think we got a little bit of video of him going in, entering, entering the lion's den because he was about to get questioned, of course, by all of these lawmakers. Let's take a look. All right. Anyway, so there he is. He's going in. He uh, is confronted with the cameras, et cetera, and everybody's like, okay, you know. Here we are. Here you are indeed. Hunter Biden right, in the hot seat because Hunter Biden Remember, is being accused of, well, all sorts of things. But for starters, maybe running a business, perhaps through his dad, in which he was gaining financially kind of illegally because he never bothered to register as what you would call a foreign lobbyist. You see, that's, that's actually kind of required. You have to actually register if you're going to be working on behalf of various countries around the world. You do actually have to register as a lobbyist, and he didn't do that. Why didn't he do that? That's a really good question, especially considering that Barack Obama at the time didn't even want anybody who was on his staff, any of his taught people having family members that were doing things like this. And yet Hunter did it anyway. So there he was, he was getting questioned. And I'm going to tell you, I think that the Republicans really dropped the ball on this one. They dropped it big time. And you know how I know they dropped it? They, they, you know, James Comer's really great. He's really smart. He understands banking and he's got a lot of um, tremendous qualities, including the fact that he just won't give up on things. But this reporter started to get a little bit of the better of him, and I didn't like seeing this. We're going we're to get Jim Jordan running quarterback here because there's no way this should have happened. I'm telling you, the left has their talking points. They're going to sit there until they're blue in the face, and they're going to tell you there is no evidence. There is no evidence at all that Hunter Biden did anything wrong or that anything could have possibly have been linked back to Pops. So this is their narrative, and they're going to keep repeating it and repeating it, just like they keep repeating that the economy is doing great. The economy is doing great. There is no inflation. (laughs) Yeah, nobody buys that, just like nobody buys the idea that Hunter was totally not doing anything wrong, and Dad didn't know anything about it. Yeah, right. Okay, but take a look at Jim Comer. He gets kind of nasty with this reporter who's extremely nasty with him. Watch. Mr. Chairman, what evidence do you have that either as vice president or as president, Joe Biden used his political office in any way to benefit either Hunter or James Biden's business? We have evidence that uh, Joe Biden met with the Chinese. But officials. what specific actions did he take We've as had a public several official? People already talked about that. But what action, how did, how was AmeriCorps helped? How was this Chinese business helped by the fact that Joe so, Biden so was vice okay, president? So, so let me president. ask you a question. It, you mentioned AmeriCorps helped. Does anyone in here question whether or not that was influence pedal? Does anyone question that? 
think no. there's a lot of questions about it, sir, because there was no evidence that Joe Biden did anything. He got two hundred thousand dollars from what did he do and as the a evidence public official that, that Joe Biden, that Jim Biden said Joe, no, listen, he wasn't vice president at the look, time. Those you can you can defend Joe Biden all day long. You can defend Joe Biden. You, you, can, you can be on his legal defense team. Kevin Morris will probably pay your legal bills <laughs> if you want. You're not but answering my question. No, I am answering your question. You don't you you don't understand what we've said over and over and over. Joe Biden took two hundred thousand dollars. Was he vice president from at the time that two hundred thousand dollar check was was put through? The what? He was a private citizen at the time that two hundred thousand dollar check went through. Was he not? The the four hundred the forty thousand dollars. The two hundred thousand dollar check, which you've cited twice. So now, it's okay. Was he a public official so, so, at the time? So do you have a problem that Joe Biden's lied about this? Do you have a problem that that America? I have the evidence that he's lied about it. I'm asking you, what specific action did he take as a public official? An elected public official. Well, that with led the, yeah, to those with the, with the, with if the, you have that evidence, yeah, sir, okay, present calm it. Down, calm down. It's okay. No, it's I'm okay. All the angry liberals and what you're saying, they'll, they'll be all right. Okay. All right, listen. Yeah, why don't you go join Joe Biden's legal team? That's a good place for you, buddy. Look, so they got a little bit heated there. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna help James Comer out right now, and I, I want to listen up because he should have just owned that guy. But before, before we do that, remember, remember where they're coming from, okay? I told you, they got a talking point, and they're, they're just sticking to it. And this is all they're going with. Oh, no evidence, no evidence, no evidence here. Oh, and Republicans should be embarrassed that they're even bringing this impeachment inquiry forward. That's what Representative Connolly had to say on what I call state TV. That would be MSNBC just today. Watch them. Yeah, there are Republicans who want to give up this quest as quickly as possible because they believe it's further eroding their credibility in an already threatened majority. And that, frankly, there's no there there, and everybody knows that. And it's just going to make them at some point look silly and shrill. The ideologues, of course, want to pursue it. Um, And so you've got that kind of dichotomy in the Republican caucus. But at the end of the day, I mean, from a political point of view, uh, go ahead and have a public hearing. Uh, we welcome it. Uh, we, we believe that the very strong case could be made that there is absolutely no evidence or connection between the business activities of Hunter Biden and his father. Well, okay, you, you keep telling yourselves that. Just like Dan Goldman, he's like the mouthpiece, okay? This is the guy represented from New York. And, you know, when they're in doubt, they trot out Mr. Goldman and he just keeps regurgitating these talking points at nauseam. It's good to know what they are. Big believer in hearing all sides. You know that. And, and, and I'm out there scouting <laughs> for the best of so that you know where they're coming from. Because what I'm about to say after we hear from Mr. Goldman is going to blow you away. Let's cue the tape. Representative Goldman giving us the spiel. Brief. Uh, I want to be very clear. That first hour of this much-anticipated testimony was the nail in the coffin to what is a complete bogus and sham impeachment inquiry. Not only did they, were they unable to show any connection between Hunter Biden's business and President Biden, but uh, Hunter Biden gave very detailed and clear explanations as to what his Uh, arm's-length business transactions were with private parties in foreign countries who are investors and business people, like many people would have. He went through a laundry list of board seats and jobs that he has had over his 30-year career after he left Yale Law School, and he withstood uh, some inappropriate attacks even in the first hour. So it is not simply there's no connection to the president, which we've known all along and which was made clear again, but there is a very understandable, coherent business explanation for every single thing that they asked for. And now that all of this China stuff or Romania or Kazakhstan is clearly, clearly baseless and bogus, the only thing that the Republicans have left are these Burisma allegations. Oh, well, you know, the thing is, those Burisma allegations are kind of a big deal. I mean, I'm just saying, they're they're kind of a major deal. In fact, I would remind Mr. Goldman 
and Connolly and the rest of them that actually they're the kind of the whole deal. I mean, the other stuff is the icing on the cake, right? The diamond, as Leslie's pointing out in the chat, that somehow was given to Hunter Biden, whom James Biden, the brother, the uncle said, oh, no, you should give that back. <laughs> Look, there's a whole bunch of other stuff, but let's go back to the central reason why we're even talking about this in the first place. You see, there was an energy company in Ukraine called Burisma. Burisma was a really shoddy, now basically defunct energy company. And they had some problems, which an investigator by the name of Victor Shokin was trying to look into because they were trying to make sure that this corrupt energy company was doing things by the books and on the up and up. And so he launched this investigation Around the same time, Burisma goes out and hires the son, Hunter Biden, son of the vice president of the United States of America. The U.S. is like the biggest, you know, the gravy train for Ukraine. Big story over the weekend of the New York Times saying how we've had a CIA op going on there for the last 10 years since 2014. Think about that. So what do they do? They go get Hunter Biden. Protection. Protection against the Victor Shokin guy who's running this whole investigation. $83,000 a month. And that's times two, by the way, because they also hired Hunter's partner, Devin Archer, who's already come out and said, well, yeah, I mean, we were kind of selling access. What else would we be selling, of course? What else would you sell with Hunter Biden, who had all kinds of problems with illegal substances, et cetera, and got thrown out of the military because of it and knew nothing about the natural gas industry. Why else would he be hired for $83,000 a month for a board job other than to maybe be that protector? He's like the, you know, he's the big German shepherd dog <laughs> that bites a lot <laughs> to reference Biden's problems with his own dog. So anyway, he gets this gig and the next thing you know, Pops is flying over to Ukraine because he's got to do this whole anti-corruption thing. And then is stupid enough to go and do a seminar at the Council on Foreign Relations and sits down with the head of the CFR and admits it all. We have it on tape. Let's cue it, Drew. I, I, I was... Not I, I, but it just happened to be that was the assignment I got. I, I, I got all the good ones. Uh, and uh, so I got Ukraine. And uh, um, I remember going over convincing our team, our others, to convincing us that we should be providing for loan guarantees. And I went over, I guess, the 12th, 13th time to Kiev. And, uh, and I was going, supposed to announce that there was another billion-dollar loan guarantee. And I had gotten a commitment from Poroshenko and from uh, Yatsenyuk that they would take action against the state prosecutor, and they didn't. So they said they had. They were walking out to the press conference. Said, "No, nah. I said I'm not going to. We're not going to give you the billion dollars." They said, "You have no authority. You're not the president." The president said, "I said call him." <laughs> I said, "I'm telling you, you're not getting the billion dollars." I said, "You're not getting the billion. I'm going to be leaving here." And I think it was what six hours. I looked. I said, "I'm leaving in six hours." If the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting the money. Oh, son of a bitch. <laughs> Got fired. Dun, dun, dun. Okay, do we need more? I mean, we, we can talk about Romania. We can talk about China. We can talk about all kinds of things. We can talk about the art, for goodness sakes. In some cases, selling at 500K a pop. We can get into all of that, and we should. But this, ladies and gentlemen, is... The main story. Hunter Biden gets a gig for $83,000 a month at Burisma Energy. No qualifications for the job. His dad does happen to be the vice president of the United States of America in charge of our relationship with Ukraine, which included a whole lot of CIA stuff going on at the time. New York Times article this weekend. Victor Shokin was the investigator who was looking into Burisma Energy, the company that hired Hunter Biden to sit on the board. And the next thing you know, Pops goes over, makes sure that Victor Shokin 
is fired. Okay? That's a story. And that has to be investigated. Victor Shokin himself, he was out and he did some, I don't know if it was on Twitter or some kind of Russian, Ukrainian version of Twitter, but he came out and he said a whole bunch of stuff. And then Brian Kilmeade over at Fox, my former colleague, had him on a program there. And I want you to listen to this because Victor's like convinced that the reason he got fired was because Biden issued the order, as he just told us he did. Watch Victor. Do you believe uh, they, they were up to no good? Were they up to doing something corrupt with Burisma? Was the company of Burisma corrupt, as been alleged, in which since has been disbanded? I have no doubt that there were illegal activities engaged in by uh, Burisma. As a matter of fact, the criminal case had been started before me. It continued to expand. And Zlochevsky, who at the time held the post of minister and was the founder and CEO of uh, Burisma, started bringing in people who could provide protection for him. Hunter Biden was uh, among them. And the corruption network expanded as a result. So, yes, to answer your question, there, uh, there's no doubt in my mind that Burisma was engaged in illegal activities. Devin Archer said you were a threat to Burisma. Do you agree? Yes. Yes, I agree. Why? Because you were going to find out what they were up to? Because he understood, and so did Vice President Biden, that had I continued to oversee the Burisma investigation, we would have found the facts about the corrupt activities that they were engaging in that included both Hunter Biden and David Archer and others. What corrupt activities did you suspect they were engaged in? It would take half a day for me to discuss every single count, but uh, I can say that Burisma illegally produced, sold, and utilized gas. Flochevsky, the founder of Burisma, uh, recently made a plea deal with the prosecution in a case where he was accused of giving a $6 million uh, bribe, which is the kind of money that you don't just give away if um, you're not really engaging in anything illegal. So his uh, plea deal was to cover up a $6 million bribe that, that he gave earlier. So it's pretty clear that Victor thinks the reason he was fired was because Pops, as he told us he did, went over there and told them, hey, 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 you're not going to get this money. You're not going to get this money unless you fire Victor Shokin. Victor Shokin gets fired. Hunter Biden collects his $83,000 a month times two, because don't forget, Devin Archer's also getting 83K. And therein, ladies and gentlemen, lies your problem. And then you get all the extras, okay? That's like the fringe the icing on the cake, whatever was going on with the Chinese natural gas company where the, the CEO who's in bed with the CCP flies over and gives Hunter Biden a diamond ring. <laughs> like, this is weird stuff, all right? What's that about? So there's a whole series of things like that. You know, he got a Porsche at one point from another company overseas, all kinds of weird things going on. And you could say, all right, maybe, maybe that was just Hunter. But then there's all these bank records. You see tons and tons of bank records. And I've looked at them. I've showed you many of them with all these different LLCs and all these different companies. And somehow all these people in the Biden family getting payouts. So what's that? Well, I, I mean, let me just tell you, banks don't love it when you're getting money from overseas. They just don't. Like it sends off red flags and they, they want to know about it. Did you get a payment from overseas? They have questions. I mean, they got to deal with the currency thing for one, but they do have questions. And they had lots of questions about Hunter Biden. So many questions that they issued more than 70 suspicious activity reports. I mean, he's out there getting money from every Tom, Dick, and Harry and all these questionable places all over the world, primarily, by the way, in those energy deals that 
we're not supposed to like, right? Because aren't we supposed to be about green energy? Like, unless, of course, you're Hunter Biden and you're going to work on behalf of the Chinese and the Ukrainians, the Romanians, etc., pushing traditional energy. So he starts getting these suspicious activity reports, and they're going to like six major U.S. banks. I mean, Bank of America's in there, a lot of biggies. And that's kind of a red flag, and nobody in the administration does anything about it. Nobody says anything about it. This is while his dad was president. Let's go to James Comer, who sat down with Ted Cruz on Ted Cruz's podcast and talked about this because Comer's a former head of a bank, and he's like, wait a second, like, this is a big deal. This is a big deal to get more than 70 suspicious activity reports, or SARS as they are known, in a year. Two over the course of, of 10 years. And, and how many were, were issued concerning Hunter Biden and Joe Biden and the Biden family? Over 170. They were, they were direct. Wait, you were at a bank and they issued two in, in 10 how many years? years? If, you issue, if you had two SARS, they're called SARS in, in the banking industry, if you had two SARS against you, it would be hard for you to open an account somewhere. There wouldn't be any bank that would want to uh, have you as a customer because it's not worth the paperwork. Remember, when the bank files one of these, you can understand this, appreciate this, Senator. That's inviting the regulators to come in and regulate. Okay, that's the last thing the bank So want. 170 get filed. That means that somebody's getting a deposit in their account. It's a big amount. It's from somewhere suspicious. I mean, what triggers it? Why? Uh, You're a banker. Uh, what is it that makes you say we got to file, file a SAR? A large transaction that comes out of the blue. So and what's had, large? So what, what is there a well, threat? From a foreign you country. A mil- I'll use the Robinson Walker account because we subpoena- that was the first bank okay. account we subpoenaed. Now, yeah. who's Robinson so Walker? He, he, he explains some more, but basically you had all these different LLCs and people are like, wait a second, why was he getting all this money from all these different places all over the world, all while not being registered as a foreign agent? Let me remind you. This same guy, Hunter, I'm calling him a guy now, not a kid, because they want you to think like he's a kid. He's older than me, okay? So this guy, Hunter Biden, with his various problems of which we don't even want to discuss on this show, okay? I mean, this is one bad dude with a lot of bad, bad stuff going on in his life. I mean, I'm thankful that I haven't set eyes on that laptop. Anyway, he got his plea deal. Remember that? It all fell apart eventually because, thank goodness, at least there's, like, some honest people out there. Well, his plea deal fell apart. But back when he thought it was going down and everything was perfect, he showed up at the India State Dinner at the White House. Let's look at this. Hunter he's Biden in his tuxedo. He's, he's trying to do more business, for goodness sakes. That's what this is. This is Hunter Biden saying, how much more business can I get? I mean, it was just so unbelievably, wildly inappropriate. Wildly inappropriate. You know, I get it. He's, he's his son. Since... And Pops loves his son, wants to look out for his son. But at some point, like, you do make a decision that my son is such a disaster and such a screw-up that maybe I shouldn't be running for the president of the United States. Maybe it actually puts our national security at risk if, in fact, my son is getting paid by the Ukrainians who then want me to do X, Y, and Z to help out my son's employer. That's a problem. And he doesn't seem to want to recognize it. What did he say last summer? He sat down with, again, state news to tell us his son was just perfect, did nothing wrong. Are you kidding me? Watch. Sir, there is something personal that's affecting you. Your son, while there's no ties to you, could be charged by your Department of Justice. How will that impact your presidency? Hang on, hang on. Drew, can we stop it one second? Do you notice how that reporter said, who has no ties to you? In other words, she's trying very hard, like all the media is doing, to say, okay, well, this is separate, right? It's your son. It doesn't mean that it implicates you, except it does when you're the guy who then goes and fires the investigator that's investigating your son's boss, okay? Like, there you go. Okay, let's go back. He's, my son did nothing wrong, nothing wrong. Sir, there is something personal that's affecting you. Your son, while there's no ties to you, could be charged by your Department of Justice. How will that impact your presidency? First of all, my son's done nothing wrong. I trust him. I have faith in him. And it impacts my presidency by making me feel proud of him. Oh, 
we're so glad you're proud of your son who <laughs> illegally obtained a weapon. I, I think he actually pled guilty to that, and then it got reversed, right, because the plea deal fell apart. Your son, who was doing work for all these countries and companies overseas, trying to influence policy, but never bothered to register as a foreign agent. Your son, who oof, had some really, really sketchy stuff on his laptop. Your son, yeah, you're real proud of him. Whatever. Reminds me, again, of his dogs, like the 24 bites. Oh, I just love my dog, but I never bothered to actually raise my dog or train my dog, etc., etc., etc. There's a lot there. And the Republicans need to be like a dog with a bone. They cannot give up. They cannot stop. Look at the roadblocks that they are being presented with. Smirnoff, right? Alexander Smirnoff, he was the FBI informant that David Weiss never bothered to interview. He came forward. This is a guy who had been very trusted by the Obama administration. And he was somebody who had been on the payroll for the FBI for many, many, many years. They loved him. They thought he was great. And he came forward and said that Biden himself, the now president, Joe Biden, was up to no good in terms of negotiations with Burisma. And there was some kind of tape of the executive from Burisma talking to Joe Biden. So he came forward with this, and David Weiss didn't do anything with it. Comer somehow stumbled upon it, and they brought him in for lots of questioning, etc. And all of a sudden, what do you know? Alexander Smirnoff gets locked up. I mean, the first judge, I think it was out in Nevada, said, okay, well, you can wear like an ankle bracelet. And then another judge in California is like, nope, nope, nope. We're putting him in the slammer. I, I don't think Christopher Steele got quite that treatment or the guy that he employed, which happened to be somebody that the FBI was investigating at the time because they believed he was a Russian spy. We're talking two different double standards. Now, I don't know. I don't know Alexander Smirnov. I don't know. Maybe he did make the whole thing up like Christopher Steele's team did. But shouldn't this have been investigated at some point by David Weiss and company? And why is it that there's such a different standard? Why does one guy get locked up? You know, you can't talk. We don't want you having any access to the press whatsoever. And then the other guy gets to go on and live his life. I mean, these are worthwhile, interesting questions. And so as much as they want to present Donald Trump as the absolute enemy to society and to speech, et cetera, I'm still going to go back to this. He wasn't pulling this kind of stuff. I mean, granted, he gets in there. He's going to be pretty angry because look what you did to him, for goodness sakes. Full on banana republic stuff. And I'll tell you, the public's not buying it. New poll just out. I want you guys to see this one because, you know, there's been a lot of polls, a lot, a lot, a lot of polls. And all the polls keep showing us Trump is ahead. Trump is ahead. Another one came out of Michigan the other day. He's two points ahead in Michigan. I've seen others that have him five points ahead in Michigan. Everywhere you look, he's ahead. A Harvard poll came out just today or yesterday saying he's six points up nationwide. Well, here's something kind of interesting. This is on young people. So Axios did this poll and he doesn't fully have the lead yet, but he's climbing. I mean, he's really, he's, he's like honing in on Biden's young people. I'm not surprised again, because it goes back to the lousy policies, inflation, et cetera. Biden is barely beating Trump with young people. And if you take a look at these numbers, they're at the bottom of the screen. You see that Biden got 52% to Trump's 48% for these people between the ages of 18 and 34. But what's amazing is if you compare and contrast that to a poll that was done just a short time ago, just in December. So, you know, some six, eight weeks ago, look at how much he's climbed because he was at 49% of 18 to 29-year-olds were supporting Trump compared with 43% of Biden in a December poll. So forgive me, what you now see is that Biden is getting 52% compared to Trump's 48. But nonetheless, this is tight. This is tight. This is tight. And so if he can get young people, if he can get minorities, and I actually think he can because you look at any of the new polls that have come out in terms of the minority population, and what do you see over and over again? Biden's fallen. He's fallen hard, man. He's down at least 20 points from where he should be with minorities because Trump is chipping away at that too. So this is going to be a very challenging, difficult situation 
for the Biden camp. I don't know what the Dems are thinking. I mean, honestly, if I were in the Democrat Party, I'd be like, there's no way we're running this guy. Are you kidding? I mean, you can't. You can't possibly run him for a variety of reasons, which I'm going to get into in just a second, because you now have members of Congress calling for the 25th Amendment to be invoked. But before we do, let's turn to the news of Donald Trump. I just reported earlier that, in fact, the Supreme Court is going to hear the appeal on the immunity case. Major, major, major news. The Supreme Court announcing today, just moments ago, that they are going to hear Donald Trump's immunity claim. They are setting those arguments for April, so this is a huge deal Really, really big stuff. I mean, it's never happened before. I mean, you had, for example, not a Nixon. I I referenced this earlier. Nixon was actually sued on a civil matter, and they ruled that that couldn't happen. But in this case, you're talking about a criminal matter, and that's the distinction here. So I think Jack Smith thinks, okay, I can go in on this. I mean, it's sort of wild because they actually did not actually accuse him of overthrowing the government. But I guess... Somehow that's where they want to take this in some way, shape, or form. It's pretty, pretty wild stuff. Unprecedented. Never happened before. So we're going to get more information, of course, coming forward on that. But in the meantime, guess what's going down in New York? Donald Trump offered $100 bucks. Here you go, Letitia. Here you go, Arthur Angorin, or whatever his name is. I can never say it. I'm not even going to try. He's really kind of a nothing, nothing, nobody judge. I don't mean to be cruel, but he really is. And suddenly now he's in the front page of every newspaper, and he's kind of loving it. A little too much, if you ask me. And so is Letitia, if you ask me. Anyway, he he put forward a $100 million bond today, but you see that's not enough because she wants some $454 million. Actually, with interest, it's upwards of $500 million. So she wants a really big number. And he said, here you go. And she's like freaking out saying, absolutely not. No, no way, because you know what she wants to do? Nobody has $400 million, by the way, or $450 more. Nobody has that kind of money just hanging around, doing nothing. You're going to have to sell stuff. You're going to have to do something. And that's exactly what she wants. She wants this asset sale, this fire sale of his assets like Trump Tower. She told us so just the other day. Watch. Four days after a judge ordered Donald Trump to pay $355 million for a decade of fraud. New York Attorney General Letitia James says she's prepared to do everything she can to make sure the former president pays his fine, including, she told us, seizing the buildings that bear his name. If he does not have funds uh, to pay off the judgment, uh, then we will seek, uh, you know, judgment enforcement mechanisms in court, and we will ask the judge to seize his assets. And that is where we are right now, ladies and gentlemen. So he puts forward the $100 million bond at 9% interest, by the way. That's a pretty hefty interest fee. But, you know, interest rates have been going up a little bit. But 9% is a lot. So 9%, what would that be? $9 million he has to pay just to give her this $100 million and say, hey, you know, let, let this tide me over until we get to the appellate court. Well, the appellate court just came out and ruled moments ago that, nope, this is not going to do it. We're actually not going to allow you to pause this $554 million payment. We want this near half a billion dollars in our hands right now. It tells you how hard up New York City is while you wait for the appeal. So this is, I mean, it's so crazy. Now, you can understand, like, legally speaking, right, they're sitting there saying, okay, we got to dot our I's, we got to cross our T's, this is how it's done, we can't make a special exception. But what's so disgusting and so wild is the amount that they're leveling on him in terms of a penalty. It doesn't make any sense. Again, I've been a business reporter my entire career, so this one is of particular interest to me, and I understand it quite well. So you got Deutsche Bank, that's the bank, right, that gave him the loan, and you got Donald Trump. He wanted to borrow money. He went to Deutsche Bank and he said, hey, you know what? I got all these assets. I got Mar-a-Lago. I got this, that, and the other. And they're worth X, Y, Z. And he made that determination of what he thought they were worth. And he probably had some supporting documentation. But it also was like buyer beware in terms of the, the loan person, the person that's lending. Like beware. This is like when you get a home equity line of credit and they say, okay, you know, if your house appraises then fine, it'll go through. But if they think it's not going to appraise, then it's not going to go through. So the onus is on the financial institution, right, to do the due diligence, which Deutsche Bank did. 
So Deutsche Bank decides, okay, he's a worthwhile credit risk. We'll take this risk on. They do the deal. Everybody gets paid back. There's no victim. And yet Letitia James emerges out of nowhere and says, "Uh uh-uh, I don't think that Mar-a-Lago is worth that much money. And then they went through all these things and apparently he was off in the square footage. Now, that's not cool. You shouldn't misquote your square footage. However, however, again, I would reiterate that that wasn't enough to justify a $354 million fine plus interest. It just absolutely wasn't. So they're just off their rocker on this one. Good old city of New York, I'll tell you. It's not a place where you'd really want to be investing nowadays, now would you, right? Because, hey, you could fall victim anytime, any moment, any day to the likes of political actors that are not on your side, that want to take you down. For goodness sakes, you got Jeb Bush writing in the Wall Street Journal just yesterday in defense of Donald Trump, a man he ran against, a man that he really doesn't like. So when Jeb Bush is coming out and saying this is going too darn far, I'm telling you, it ha- I mean, I've said it from the beginning, it's gone way too darn far. The fact that it was a case to begin with was extreme. And then that ruling, my gosh, it just knocked me off my chair. It's insane. And now the appellate court is saying, hey, you got to come up with the money. So the question is, does he now have to sell things? I predict, ladies and gentlemen, if he does, He's going straight to the White House because Americans will say, I've had it. I can't take this. You guys are so corrupt. You're so disgusting. You're so radical and rabid. You look at every single poll that's been coming out recently. The more they go after him, the more he increases in popularity. And that's when you talk about this, this, this group in the middle. The group in the middle is sitting there watching this going, well, gosh, I mean, if they can do that to him, what can they do to me? People inherently don't really trust the government. And they certainly don't trust the government now, not after the Hunter Biden laptop. Oh, that's just Russian misinformation fed to you, courtesy of the Russians and Rudy Giuliani. Except that it was true, and it was being investigated by the FBI, and now we know why. And then, oh, COVID couldn't possibly have come from that Wuhan lab where they were investigating coronaviruses. Nope, couldn't possibly. Well, now every three-letter agency has come out saying, yep, indeed, it came from that Wuhan lab, except for the CIA, which remains divided on it. It, it. It's too much, right? Like at some point, people just get worn down and they say, enough is enough. And I think that this particular case, if he has to sell Trump Tower, he's going straight to the White House. I mean, there you go. The, the script writes itself. And the Democrats are too stupid to figure it out. They figure if they just put up their ailing Joe, it'll all just be fine. It's not going to be fine. Look, there's a few things that should happen along the way because Republicans are not guiltless in any of this. For one thing, Nikki Haley, come on, lady. Are you ever going to give it up? I mean, you just got bit for the fit, beaten for the fifth time in Michigan, landslide there for Donald Trump, and Nikki's hanging on for dear life. She's lost some of her biggest sponsorship, and yet there she is, there she is, there she is. Come on, enough already. I mean, does it really have to take Newt Gingrich to deliver the cold, hard message to Nikki? He did it with Sean Hannity well, last night. Take a peek. She's going to force... President Trump to spend anything because he's going to beat her in every single primary in the country. That's just going to happen. Uh, Second, the longer she stays in, the more she will alienate Republicans. This theory that she's hanging around in case something happens to Trump so she can then be the choice. No MAGA Republican, no Trump delegate is ever going to pick Nikki Haley. They will pick any of a dozen or 50 Uh, Republicans who are acceptable, but they aren't going to pick her. And you saw that in Nevada, where she lost by two to one by none of these candidates. I mean, when none of these candidates beat you by two to one, there's a a hint uh, that maybe you're in the wrong game this year. I hope she'll drop out. I hope she'll become part of the effort to beat Joe Biden. I do not think it's helpful to have her out there saying nasty things about the Republican nominee. And as far as I'm concerned, Donald Trump tonight is the Republican nominee. This is over. 
and the issues to focus on the general election and why Trump would be a dramatically better president in 2025 than Joe Biden. In other words, it's time to get on with the show, for goodness sakes. The train has left the station, Nikki. I'm sorry, you're not on it. You're just not. You were never going to be. Nor was Ron DeSantis. Nor, nor was it, all of these people that lined up in a row. I'm like, how much were they paying you to do this? Because, you know, you're going to be a little bit masochistic to take that one on. Everyone knew that Donald Trump was going to win. So why would you even? Okay, let, let me let me give them this. All right. Well, we'll be I'll, I'll be not, and especially for Tim Scott's sake. Look, it's nice to have more people out there and for Ramaswamy, too. The more ideas, the better. Right. You want lots of people because then it, it challenges actually the guy who's going to win it which would be Trump, it challenges him to be more on his toes, to have a, a more definitive position on various things, etc. But that's happened already, okay? Like, that came and went. And Nikki Haley's hanging on for dear, dear life. I mean, she's lost a major, major funder, AFP. She has barely any money now to her name, and yet she's, gonna, she's becoming like that woman on the left. Oh, gosh, Drew, I wish you could talk to me through this because I'm, I'm blanking on her name. I'll check you guys in the comments. You know, the, the Marianne something, Marianne Williams, sweet lady, very, very sweet lady, but like she's back in the race now with, with, with Biden. I mean, that's what Nikki Haley is, is kind of seeming like at this moment in time because she just won't let go. And Newt is absolutely right. You honestly think that anyone is actually going to just say, okay, fine, we'll go with her. We'll go with her over Trump. No, 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 no. They would go with one of his VP picks, of which there are many. We've talked about so many of them right here. I mean, that would ultimately be if there was something crazy that went down. And I don't think that there will be. I mean, the last I checked, and this is crazy that I'm checking this, but you can actually run from jail. I'm telling you, Banana Republic, here we come. This is what we are right now, right here. You heard it first. Okay, so we have more news, even more news to cover. Nikki, time to get out. Mitch McConnell knows that. Heck, you know, Mitch McConnell knew when it was time to call it quits. Let's listen to Mitch today on the floor with his major announcement. I turned 82 last week. The end of my contributions are closer than I'd prefer. My career in the United States Senate began amidst the Reagan Revolution. Truth is, when I got here, I was just happy if anybody remembered my name. He actually seems kind of sweet there. I know you guys can't stand him. I know, I know, I know. And I actually feel a little bit bad for him because it looked like he was having these sort of temporary seizures. I'm not going to play the video because no need to kick a guy while he's down, but we've seen the video and I have showed you those videos where he just was really struggling and didn't seem to know where he was, etc. Um, he had a few other things to say. Let's, let's listen in to Mitch McConnell. After all this time, I still got a thrill walking into the Capitol, and especially on this venerable floor, knowing that we, each of us, have the honor to represent our states and do the important work of our country. But Father Time remains undefeated. I'm no longer the young man sitting in the back, hoping colleagues would remember my name. It's time for the next generation of leadership. (laughs) Hey, I just want to welcome a new team member. I'm looking at all of your comments here. Don, I hear you. You're saying, but he's still there. He's still there for the foreseeable future. Um, Look, at least he's making the right decision, which is to step down. Something that maybe somebody else ought to do. And welcome. We got a new team member here, another Reganite joining the club. So welcome to all of our new members. And I encourage you guys to subscribe. I want to get back to McConnell though right now, because McConnell is actually doing what needs to be done in his particular case. You know what? He's up there. He's 82. He ought to go live his life and enjoy his life with his wife, Elaine, as he points out. It's something that for whatever reason, the president of the United States of America can't seem to get through his head. And we have seen a lot of examples, and I am going to show them to you this time, 
This is a little montage we call the Biden brain fail moment or two. Beer brewed here. It is used to make the brew beer. My memory is fine. The president of Mexico, Sisi, did not want to open up the gate. A solid meeting with um, with uh, the uh, and Mitterrand from Germany, I mean, from France, looked at me and said, uh, said, elderly man with a poor memory. I said, I'm going to be a president for everybody, whether you live in a red state or a green state. I, uh, um, anyway, I don't want to, I don't want to. Oh, my goodness. The best way to get something done, if you, if it holds near and dear to you that you, uh, um, like to be able to, anyway. Of oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Like, I can't even watch it, right? Like, it's hard to watch. He was just on Jimmy Kimmel the other night, and same kind of thing happened. It was like, oh, no, buddy. Come on. What's going on? I mean, we know what's going on. He's failing. He's older. He may. I'm not a doctor. He may. But I've seen dementia, actually, sadly, up close and personal with two loved ones. And he may actually be suffering from some of that. Um, even the way he walks, have you noticed like the way he shuffles along? Those are, those are kind of telltale signs. So he's clinging on though. He's clinging on for dear life. And it's like, you know, the elderly parent, when you're like, I'm sorry, mom, dad, we got to take away the car keys. It's like, Joe, we got to take away the keys to the kingdom because you're not all there. And you really shouldn't have this job responsibility. He's like, no, 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 no. I'm not going anywhere. In fact, he gets kind of angry about it and kind of belligerent about it, which is why when that article came up the other day with, 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 with her, remember, saying that he, they're, they're not going to move forward with prosecution because the jury would never convict. He just seems like a sympathetic old guy who can't remember anything. He was furious. He was furious. It's like you're damned if you do, damned if you don't, because, by the way, he was guilty. They're just not going to move forward because... Poor guy's too old. I have another thing to say on that, but so long as we're talking about old, um, I feel pretty good. I hit a big number recently in age, but I I feel good. I feel really good. And actually, I think it has a little something to do with the fruits and veggies capsules that I'm taking from Balance of Nature, balanceofnature.com. I encourage you guys to go there. One of our new sponsors on the show, and I started taking this a couple of months ago, and I was like, wow, actually, this is good. I mean, I'm not the best on my fruits and veggies, full disclosure, just not the best. So I like knowing that I am getting it in a capsule form. The company's been around for 20 years. I encourage you to go check them out on their website because they have a wonderful history. The doctor who started this, just tremendous, tremendous history. And what they see are thousands and thousands and thousands of comments every single month talking about how great these capsules are and how much better people feel because now I can't guarantee you that it's totally, totally connected, but I feel like it is because I feel more on my game than ever before, ever since I started taking balance in nature. So go check them out, go to the website, explore, make sure if you're interested in this, that you do in fact use my discount code because you know, I'm a girl who likes a discount code 1-800-246-8751. You can call them 1-800-246-8751 discount code Trish, my name, you'll get 35% off. I don't think you can get a deal like that anywhere else. So again, it's balanceofnature.com, 1-800-246-8751, discount code Trish, T-R-I-S-H. All right, getting back to the news of the day. So Biden, Biden could benefit, I think, from some of these. He, he needs to take his uh, fruits and veggie capsules as well, does he not? Poor Biden, really, really struggling. Biden is struggling so much now that a member of Congress, Representative Buck, he's actually coming out and asking Kamala Harris to invoke the 25th Amendment against the President of the United States. And this isn't just any member of Congress. He is a Republican, but he's actually been really against impeachment. Like, he has not sided with the Republicans on anything. And in fact, he's promised that he's out after this term. He's from Colorado. He introduced a resolution this week asking Vice President Kamala Harris and the cabinet to invoke the amendment because he said, Mr. Biden simply cannot perform as president. And I'm going to quote here from what he was saying. He, he writes, quote, the Her report 
officially addressed what many Americans have long witnessed with their own eyes, that President Biden is no longer fit to successfully discharge the critical duties of his office. Numerous incidents were articulated in the report and have played out in full public view. Yeah, I'd say. I go on, quote, he goes on, the time has come for the vice president and the cabinet to put our country first and move forward on invoking the 25th Amendment. Oh, my goodness. I mean, do you think she'd do it? I don't think she would dare. I don't think that she would ever dare. I think she's hoping and praying that, you know, he gets elected again. And then I'm not so sure that he's going to make it. He said, maybe later, maybe second term. That's when she invokes it. Just a note that Congress can actually remove a president, quote, whenever the vice president and a majority of either the principal officers of the executive departments or of other such bodies as Congress may by law provide their written declaration that the president is unable to discharge the powers and duties of his office. Huh. That's according to the 25th Amendment. So the question is, does it happen before November? And if it does... Kamala Harris is going to be your candidate. Good luck with that one, guys. Good luck. You know, you, you should have thought of this earlier. Wasn't, wasn't Gavin Newsom supposed to be the shiny new toy? Don't think it's happening for him. Hey, another plug for some of our really good friends that care about policies right now as we think about what's happening in the future. And I'm telling you, it's so, so critical. It's so critical just exactly what happens next here, not just in terms of the Oval Office, but think about the House and think about the Senate. Because even if Trump rides in and swoops into office and, and successfully lands the White House again, he's not going to be able to do much if he doesn't have the support of the Senate and of the House. So it's really critical that everybody's on the same page here. And this is why I love what Americans for Prosperity is doing right now. Americans for Prosperity, they are aggressively going out and finding the best opportunities to make sure that we do see our principles, conservative economic principles, valued in the House and in the Senate. This is a team that cares passionately about making sure things like inflation don't go go sky high like they've been going, that you have the most access to energy, both from an economic standpoint and from a national security standpoint. Americansforprosperity.org, they want to make sure that we have policies in place that will enable everybody to succeed, right? Not just handpick the winners. And in this case, it seems like they want to handpick the losers as well. No, 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 that doesn't work. That's not who we are as a nation. So let's get back to our roots and let's make sure that when 2024 comes, we've got a team there that actually is going to care about everyday Americans and care about preserving the prosperity for everyone. It's really, really critical. Americansforprosperity.org. Please go check them out. You know, it's, it's been quite a day. We've had a lot of breaking news, pretty wild stuff. I mean, plus there's the whole shutdown on the horizon that's going on too. Um, it's really, really, really incredible. I want to thank Passport Bro for your support there. Uh, he's making the point that you have to be elected to be impeached, and Biden was not okay. We have to be careful there, right? Didn't Trump say that the other day? He was doing an interview with Laura Ingram on Fox, and he started to go there, and she must have given him a look. He's like, oh, I know I won't. I won't because we're on Fox. Um, vote down ballot, uh, David David talking about, yeah, the importance of making sure it's not just who's at the top. It's making sure that you have conservatives there throughout, throughout. Um, really and truly. I mean, I, I, I want to welcome all of you guys. I see so many new faces here as well. I can tell because you know what? We're climbing, we're climbing, we're climbing. We're up above 210,000. Isn't that amazing? But I've got some, I've got some, some originals like Leslie and David David and Ian. So thank you guys for being here. And Don, of course, who's always pushing you to hit those like buttons. Thank you. You know what? I'm just going to remind you again, hit the like button. Make a comment in the comments below. I'm telling you guys, I read them all. There's going to be a lot more. We take clips from the show. We put those out so you can watch those. You can comment on those. You can share those in small sort of bite-sized format rather than the big, the big kahuna here, which we do every day live. But I love having you here, and we're going to do it again tomorrow. Major, major news. The Supreme Court is taking on the immunity appeal. And major news, New York City is basically giving Donald Trump a big F you, if you would, when it comes to that $100 million bond. They say it's not enough. They want the whole shebang as he waits for the appellate court to hear his case. 
crazy times, scary times, and it's just getting worse. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening.